Welcome to our last week of Advent. I can't believe we're already here. It's been an incredible time worshiping Jesus together, and it's been particularly special here at Apex Baptist, seeing people from different cultures read and pray in their own heart language. So what we've covered so far is the candle of hope. We've also talked about the candle of peace. We've talked about the candle of joy and the candle of love. And today, we want to light on Christmas Day the Christ candle. And this candle just represents Jesus, and we highlight a born Jesus. And we're grateful that God sent his son so that all who trust in him could have life and life forevermore. I want to read to you a text out of Luke chapter 2 that you're probably very familiar with, especially on this day. But this is what the word of God says. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each of his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of his house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, he betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So as we consider the first advent of Christ, we recall the birth of Jesus. And that is exactly what we are celebrating this morning. So I want to invite you to worship alongside of us as we sing together this morning, Christ is born. Jesus is born, star of one. 
faith family merry christmas okay listen i know that some of you have already opened presents there's others that are waiting to open presents because your family said hey we're going to wait till we watch this devotional so you're wanting me to hurry up uh, i realize that there are others that are alone this christmas uh, some of you are out of town some are in town regardless of where you find yourself today i'm so glad that you have tuned in and we're just going to take a couple of moments in the word to be reminded of how glorious christ truly is a tradition we have in our family is reading the Christmas story each Christmas. We love uh, doing that together. But today, I want to take a piece of the Christmas story that is perhaps less adorned. And I want to point out something to you that really has encouraged my soul over the years. So if you'll grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And then we'll make a few comments and pray to, together this morning. So Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Uh, this is what the Word of God says. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod did not want his authority to be usurped, and so he wanted to find out where this Messiah truly was. And so it says in verse 5, They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Ju Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, it says this, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, so that's important, he did this in secret, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child when you have found him. Bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. Now Herod's not telling the truth here, because if you know anything about King Herod, he wanted to kill this Messiah, kill this 
Jesus. And so that's why I wanted to know where this baby boy was so that the decree could be played out where his life could ultimately end. But he was manipulating them saying, come and tell me I too want to worship him. It was just just not true. Verse nine, it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And so the star was guiding them where they needed to go. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then verse 11 says, and going into the house, this wasn't at the manger, into the home, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. So these wise men, they came, they fell, they worshiped uh, Jesus. Then they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Verse 12, final verse, uh, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, because remember, Herod had false motives here. They were warned not to go back to him. They departed to their own country another way. So we see an act of obedience even there when they decided not to go back to Herod. They listened to this dream and they went uh, to their own country away from where Herod was. I want to read to you a quick quote and then I want to give you a few comments on these verses today. Spurgeon said this. He said, a stir begins as soon as Christ is born. He has not spoken a word. He has not wrought a miracle. He has not proclaimed a single doctrine. But when Jesus was born at the very first, while as yet you hear nothing but infant cries and can see nothing but infant weakness, still his influence upon the world is manifest. When Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east and so on. There is infinite power in an infant savior. And so what this means is a born Jesus changes everything. In this week of Advent where we have lit the Christ candle, we're recalling that reality that this born Jesus changes everything so much so that even though he was an infant, there was so much stirring amongst King Herod wanting to end his movement, amongst the wise men coming to wise men coming to worship him. We see him at work even as a baby. The reason being a born Jesus changes everything. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you think about the wise men, I want you to think about the magi, as they are called in the scriptures. A lot of times we think of the wise men and we just think, oh, these are just really smart people who uh, have it all together. And so that's kind of a picture that we have and it ends there. But I want you to consider the word magi with me for just a moment. Uh, They were not kings and they were not mere wise men. The word magi is derived from this word magician or magics, where we get those terms in our language. So I want you to think sorcery here. That's who these guys were. They were sorcerers. They were magicians. And uh, you may see them depicted as those with the pointy hats with stars all over them. So get that picture in your brain for just a moment. They were sorcerer magicians, highly into things like astrology, which is where the star makes a ton of sense. They would interpret dreams and uh, perhaps what we would call some of their actions today is uh, is black magic, right? So so I went to seminary in New Orleans and I think about some of the experience the experiences that I had on the, in the French Quarter with people who claimed to be sorcerers or magicians or practice this thing called black magic. That's That's what these guys were. And when you think of them in that context, it becomes quite fascinating. Here's why. 
we think about their attentiveness to the star, their attentiveness to the star makes a ton of sense when you think about their background into sorcery and magic and things of the sort. Uh, they were used to this kind of thing. That's how they operated day in and day out. That is essentially who they are. They tapped into this evil side of, of, of gleaning information. And this type of sorcery in the Bible, just to be really clear, is without a doubt forbidden. Uh, it's not something that we are to practice or partake in or uh, to fan the flame of. And that's exactly who these guys are. Uh, an example of this is in Acts 13, when Elymas was one who was a sorcerer and Paul called him a child of the devil because he was trying to make the straight pass of the Lord crooked by using this evil sorcery. And Elymas was the same as the Magi. They were the same type of person. Uh, An easy way to just kind of put this together descriptively is to say that they were enemies of everything that is right. And so anything that is right, anything that is correct, they're enemies of that. And Paul is calling that down. He's saying that is wrong. And then here in Matthew, we're seeing that these types of people are the very ones that are summoned to come to Jesus. What does that mean for us today? Well, here's the big idea. The, the big idea is this, who God draws unto himself are the worst of sinners, the epitome of evil. In this very moment, he is starting out as infant Jesus. He is starting out his, his life in humanity by saying, bring the worst to me, and I'm going to show them what it looks like to lay all of that down and to worship me. It's good news for us. And the reason it's good news for us is because Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, I'm first in line. He said, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the one that can be the line leader when it comes to sin. And that, brothers and sisters, is what gives us so much hope because we can all have that sense in our hearts of, man, I'm a broken person, but this brokenness is not a new thing. It all began back in Genesis chapter 3. An infant Jesus is calling unto himself those who in that day were considered the worst of the worst. And they essentially bring gifts to him and they bow down and they worship him. And they respond in obedience by not going back to Herod and going into their own country. Why? Because when you encounter Jesus, he changes everything. The power of the kingdom of light always conquers the kingdom of of darkness. And I want to reiterate this point. Jesus in his infancy is summoning men who are trapped in unthinkable acts. And he is smashing the chains that bind them. And even as a baby, he is liberating the equivalent of what we would call today modern day Satanists. And he is setting them free. What a picture for us. So as we celebrate Christmas, it's far beyond all of the trees and the lights and the, you know, the, the things that we participate in that have become so commercialized around Christmas. It's far beyond that. It's celebrating the advent of Jesus, Jesus coming unto us and offering us new life. This is why we too must bow down and worship him. Another Spurgeon uh, quote, he says this, those who look for Jesus will see him those who truly see him will worship him, and those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. Meaning, when we understand what he has done for us by offering us hope, the hope of salvation, 
For all who call upon his name shall be saved. Your sins forgiven. Your, your sins atoned for. You set free and now placed in a right relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus. When we recognize all of that, we have no other option but to bow down and to worship him. So brothers and sisters, today on this Christmas morning, I pray that you just catch a, a little glimpse of how glorious our Savior is, that he would forgive a sinner like me and a sinner like you. And if you have not called on his name for salvation, I pray that this message finds you in a place of your heart where you're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to give it all to him. I can't believe that he would save someone like me. Remember this, I love to say this, uh, a reformer from the past said this, that he is a far greater savior than we are sinner. So regardless of what you have done, he is a greater savior. And I hope that you rest in that beautiful truth this morning. I'm going to read to you a prayer as we close that I read from Dr. Smith. Just a couple of things here. And this is how we will close our time together. Check this out. Listen to this. Here's the prayer. We praise you for being born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. We are famished people filling ourselves often with empty buffets, spending money for that which is not bread. But you came as the bread of life, and now we freely dine at the banqueting table of your welcome and your grace. Our hearts are filled with unfettered gratitude. Indeed, how fitting that you entered our world in the city of David, Israel's beloved shepherd king, for what King David could never be, you've become for us the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And now you perpetually care for us with relentless tenderness and unwavering kindness. There is no other savior like you. There is no other savior but you. We worship you with irrepressible delight for you are the long time promised and much long for Christ, the Messiah. Every promise God has made finds its fulfillment. It's unequivocal and irrevocable yes in you. You are the resolve for all of our fears and the answer for all of our hopes. We bow before you in joyful adoration for you are the Lord of Lords, very God of very God, presently reigning over everything and working in all things for our good. You're the ruler of the kings of the earth, setting them up and sitting them down at your sovereign discretion. Only your kingdom is unshakable and everlasting of the increase of your government and peace. There will be no end as we celebrate your first advent. Our passion for your second advent is intensified. Oh, for the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are indeed Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, for the day when every tear will be wiped away, everything sad will come untrue. Oh, for the day when all things broken will be made new in your magnificent and merciful name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, church.